all about kicking back, relaxing, and enjoying the show. Take the time out of your day to listen to new music and the new sound of radio. Tune in every day, all day, for the greatest hits, latest news, and community events that you can be a part of. MoncoRadio.com, where music and minds meet. Hi everybody, it's Gene Simmons. You're listening to The Kiss Room on Monco Radio, but you knew that. Man, oh man, you never know. You never know exactly what you're going to get. We show up here, we know it's going to be good. But I'll tell you something. Maybe y'all feeling a little good that it's Friday night. Is that what it is? Y'all made it through another week of work. Or maybe some of you are just off for the summer having a good time. You deserve to have a good time. You work all damn year. You wanted the best and you got it. The hottest band in the land. That's right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best. You got the best. I am Matt Porter. It's July. We're back here in the Kiss Room. I'm here with Bobby Dreyer. You can hear him having the best time ever. And on the phone should be Chris Sinzak from the Decibel Geek Podcast. Chris, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How you doing? We're doing great. Shot out of a cannon here on a Kiss Room Friday, having the best time ever. Now, look, we are getting close. To the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo 2. You're the man with the plan. Tell us all about it. Oh, was there an expo coming up? I had no idea. You know, um, I heard no, something about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. There's, uh, yeah, we are, we're getting down into the home stretch now. And uh, I think, what, we got like five, six weeks at the most now. And uh, yeah, it's turned from what was a one day thing last year. Now it's like a three day extravaganza. We've got. <laughs> The expo itself, we've got a pre-party concert, we've got an after-party concert, we've got a comedy show the night after. It's just, it's going to be bonkers the whole weekend. You know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think anybody that listens to the Kiss Room certainly is aware of the Rock and Pod Expo. Certainly anybody that listens to your fantastic podcast, the Decibel Geek Podcast, knows all about it. I think a lot of the people that listen to all the best podcasts are aware of it. But if anybody has been under a rock, Tell them what they're going to get when they come to Nashville at the end of August, Saturday, August 25th, Nashville Palace in Nashville, Tennessee. Give us the highlights. Boom. All right, here we go. All right, so it's going to start off, the weekend will start off on Friday, August 24th with a pre-party concert at a place called the Mercy Lounge. It's a really nice big venue. Yeah, great and we've place. Got, yeah, we've got uh, Frank Domino and Punky Meadows from Angel headlining that wow. show. Also, Tour Tour is going to be on the bill. Ron Keel's going to be doing an acoustic set, and my buddy Greg Mangus is going to have an all-star set with some of the best musicians in Nashville doing some of your favorite cover songs. That's going to be the night before. And let me go ahead, and I've announced it in the past week, but let me make sure people realize this. If you buy a ticket to that concert, you will get free admission to the expo the next day. So it's a two-for-one deal. Yeah. Very cool. You know, and it's funny, because obviously like, there's tons of podcasts coming that cover all kind of topics, rock and roll, all kind of stuff. But as a KISS podcast, certainly anybody that's a KISS fan knows the connections to Ron Keel, knows the connections to Angel. I mean, there's so many different 
kind of tangents that tie it all together. You know, I think it makes it extra special for those those of us doing Kiss podcasts. Sure. And, you know, and Angels, you know, they've become kind of a cult favorite. They didn't take off like, you know, Kiss did in the 70s, but their legend's kind of grown over the years. And this is the only show in the Southeast that they're doing this year. So it's uh, it, it's really exciting to have them come also. So, that, so that's the night before. And then all of those people that are going to be playing the night before will also be guests at the Expo the next day. And the, the Rock and Pod Expo, essentially, it's a one-day event celebrating all things rock music and rock podcasting. And it started with uh, the idea kind of between B.J. Cramp from Rock and or Roll and myself and, and also all of us. We would always record together over the years and be like, it'd be really cool if we could actually meet up and hang out. And that was kind of the germ that started the whole thing. And uh, from there, we uh, we just started, you know, having rolling with ideas of it, what if we did a crowdfunding thing for the meetup. And then it's like, well, if people are going to pay money for us to meet up. We should have record vendors and that was the case and then hey everybody lives in nashville we should do it there and we you know all these rock stars a lot of us have interviewed let's get them to come as guests and it just sort of grew from there so it's going to be i think we're up to almost 30 podcasts that are going to be on site that day a lot of them are going to be recording uh um, decibel geek will try to record but i'll probably be running around like a crazy person like i did last year uh also guests uh, like i said angel is going to come and frank and punky will be on stage doing a panel discussing the history of Angel, their solo work, and plans for the future. Uh, Tor Tor is going to be there. Ron Keel is going to be there. And I don't think I've even announced this yet. Uh, for Decibel Geek, you know, we do these Albums Unleashed uh, episodes. We're going to do a live Albums Unleashed with Ron Keel and wow, Michael Wagner nice. for the Keel self-titled album from 1987. That'll be really cool. Fantastic. Um, and then uh, a whole bunch of other guests are going to be there. Uh, Brendan Harkin from Stars. There's another connection. Yeah. He's going to be coming. Uh, let's see. I don't have the list in front of me. I'm actually on my lunch break, but um, <laughs> I've got, we've got a lot of, uh, a lot of cool guests coming. And, uh, there's like, I think we're up to like over 20 guests at this point and, uh, vin- vinyl vendors, uh, memorabilia vendors. We're going to have a rock and pod museum with like stage used gear and clothing and stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a cool venue. And then, so that's the expo. Like I said, buy a ticket to the pre-party, you get to come to the expo, and that, the expo goes all day long from 11 to 7. Then there's the after-party show, which is happening at a place called The Basement. It's where Metallica did a secret show before they played Bonnaroo here a few mm. years ago, and it literally is in a basement. It's a small little club. And um, Denman, who played the pre-party last year, is going to headline that, and they're uh, they're awesome. And then I've, I've got a band from Detroit called Black Hair on, another band called Never Wake, and Jacob Cade, who's also one of the guests at the expo. He's a young songwriter, singer, rock guitar player from Denver, he's going to play a set there too. So that's the day of. Then the day after, we have a comedy show at Zany's with Craig Gass, Inappropriate Earl Skakel, and Courtney Cronin Dold from the Pop Podcast. Wow. It's going to be awesome. That's going to be great. You know, it's funny because a lot of that stuff that you hit on, first of all, anybody that's listening to the podcast that listen to all these cool podcasts, right? When it comes down yeah. to it, there's going to be a lot of cool guests. There's going to be a lot of cool vendors. There's going to be all kind of merch and things like that. But to me, the greatest thing is that we really do get to meet up with people that we listen to all the time, you know, yeah. and people that listen. So it's like last year was the coolest hang because there was people from all around the planet that were just hanging out that you listen to, like that are in your head. And last year, like literally, that you had never met. And I think I would say to everybody listening, anybody in the sound of my voice, you got to plan to be there just because these kind of things, first of all, it only happens once a year. And it's just so special. I mean, everything that you created last year was so much fun. 
And it's going to be that much fun this year. We just so everybody that's listening, if you're listening to me right now, come to see us in Nashville. Hang out. It's going to be great. And with that in mind, if you go to Nashville, rock the letter N pod expo.com. That's the official website. Of course, there's a Facebook page and all kind of there's the Twitter and all that and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. People got to get down there. You know, it's like I think that's that's the most fun part is that as a broadcaster, you know, you hang out with these people in your head and everybody's going to be there. We're going to have a lot of drinking and uh, hot chicken, too. Well, and also, um, yeah, we had people from as far as Germany last year. Yeah. We had people from all over the United States, and it's going to happen again this year. And the, But, of course, the most important thing is it's the one time of year we always get to answer the age-old question. Where is Matt Porter? <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah! You're, you're all going to know. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I'm driving down, actually, with Eric Miller from Pods and Sods and our friend Brian Jacobs, who is on uh, Pods and Sods as a guest some of the time, too. So I'm really looking forward to a road trip, which is going to be a blast. And, you know, like I said, look, last year was so much fun. It was really just I'm really hoping it's as much fun this year. It's going to be great. You know, the, uh, the one thing I was going to say, like, as we're talking about it, what are some of the things that you've really kind of learned putting something of this size on? Like, what are some of the experiences? Um, what are you looking forward to the most? You've been working like crazy on this for the last year. I hope you can enjoy it this year, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've told people I, I hope to actually experience the expo this year because I don't <laughs> think I even experienced last year. Um, like from what everyone tells me, it was a lot of fun last year. <laughs> um, no, uh, I, I, that's probably the biggest lesson. And then I have a handful of people that are going to be stepping in to help me run things. And uh, logistics, logistics, logistics is probably the name of the game and trying to have as much planned out ahead of time and uh, in place and people to handle those things. And, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is just planning ahead. And make, but, you know, last year was a total experiment. You don't know. You, we didn't know how it was going to go this year. At least I have a little bit more know-how. It's a little less stressful, but uh, I guess I, the main thing I've learned is I'm a crazy person for trying to do it again. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. And I mean, obviously, look, Ken, the uh, podcast will be there, Ken and Gary. We're going to be sharing a table. So if you're listening to any of the KISS podcasts, Podcast Rock City, you know, anybody, you all got to be there. So everybody that's listening to me, make your plans now. Be there. Get in your car and drive that weekend. It's just going to be great. Yep. And obviously, if you follow it on the Facebook, you're going to see all the updates coming in. You know, everybody's going to be doing their thing. And uh, now also, Decibel Geek Podcast, your own podcast, you're doing Kissmas in July. Talk about that. Yeah, well, we just we're a little late this month, but uh, yeah, we we launched it yesterday. We uh, we put out an episode with uh, Bob Kulik with our favorite Bob Kulik kiss moments and a little bit of a chat we had with him recently. And uh, yeah, there's some stuff I can't really. I don't want to spoil it. I always keep everything for a surprise. You know, Santa wouldn't spoil the gift he gives out, so I'm not going to do that either. Well, we're going to walk up and shake the boxes just to see which ones are in there. So. Uh... You know, and look, obviously, a lot of people listening to the Kiss Room, they know you from uh, a series, a great series of uh, interviews. We do have Bobby Rock coming up. He's going to call in any minute from Gettysburg. We've actually enlisted nice. Alex Richter, who a lot of people know from the hard and fast fanzine that he published. He's down in the studio down the hall. We're going to talk to him. So that's going to be fun. So hopefully you can stay tuned on your lunch break and tune in. And uh, any, other, any other thoughts you want to share out with the, uh, the world listening all around the planet to you right this second, Chris? Well, I know there's probably some people that are listening to hope that I'll make a comment on a certain guest that uh, is not going to be part of the expo that initially was. So I will only say one thing, because this person apparently is not going to be part of another expo that was recently talked about this week. So I'll just say this. 
if you're wondering, am I overjoyed about things continuing in that direction? I'm not. Um, the person in question, I, I honestly, I hope things turn around for her regardless of issues we may have had personally between us. And I hope things work out for him. That said, I think the Rocket Pod Expo is going to be awesome. And I think we, uh, it's only going to get bigger from here. And uh, I've got some other big name guests that I'm just waiting on confirmations from, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And I just can't wait to hang out with everybody. It's one thing that you can't get through social media. This is a, it's real human interaction and there's not enough of that anymore. I totally agree with that. And it's funny because, uh, yeah, if anybody was tuning in hoping for some dirt or for us to trash anybody or whatever, we don't do that. We're, we're taking the high road and, uh, you know, letting everybody do what they want. The great thing, and this is what I've been saying about the rock and pot. It's never about who doesn't show up. It's about who shows up and we're all going to have the best time. Whoever's there, it's going to be a blast and I'm totally looking forward to it. Definitely, man. I think it's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing you next month, man. Me too. I can't wait to see you guys. It was so much fun last time. You welcomed us to your city and we all had such a good time. And I'm really looking forward to it again. So it's going to be a blast. So everybody has to go to the Nashville. It's www, obviously, if we do the www. Nashville, rock the letter N, podexpo.com. If you haven't figured out what the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo 2 is by now, you're just not paying close attention, people. <laughs> so, Chris, thanks a million for calling in. I'm going to see you at the end of August. It's going to be a blast. All right. Thanks again, Matt. Go enjoy your lunch. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> see you. Okay. Now, look, hopefully this works. Thanks to Chris for calling in. That was cool. Uh, we have Alex Richter. Like I said, he is uh, used to produce the uh, Hard and Fast fanzine and he is down in the other studio because we have skype in our other studio down the hall so here's the thing right we did you get everything set up we got everything set up okay okay Okay, good because i think this should work if i hit the right button is we have alex down in the other studio and he's got um skype and bobby rock he and bobby rock have been friends for like 30 years and obviously you all know bobby rock from his days in the invasion or at least a dozen other oh, bands man, you're not gonna throw that big one well i'm just gonna say you know him from the invasion and uh you know hey we'll leave it at that and bobby rock is in gettysburg tonight with lita ford they're at the bike fest and he's also written a new book it's called this boy is gonna rock a drummer's journey from houston to hollywood in search of hair metal heaven which is available now via bobbyrock.com. And it's a fantastic book filled with so many cool photos and stories. So to talk about it, I enlisted Alex Richter, and you know him, and they've been friends. And if this works, Alex is down in Studio C, and Bobby is connected via Skype from Gettysburg. Alex, are you there? Hey, Matt, I'm here in the Kiss Room. My man. With Bobby Rock, calling in from Gettysburg, Pennsylvania Bike Fest, where there'll be... Lita Ford will be kicking it tonight. And, God, you and I go back 32 years now. It's crazy, brother. You have been nothing but pleasurable to work with every time I've been with you. Why don't you take it from here, buddy? Tell me how you're doing, and thanks for doing the Kiss Show. Uh, Thanks for having me. And, yes, my man, we do go back a lot of years now. (laughs) Uh, All is good just here in PA. Hit with Lita Ford tonight. On my birthday, so uh, oh, that's right. No other place I'd rather be than on the road. And you're doing a bike festival, I hear. Yeah, those are always fun, man. These <laughs> people know how to party. Yeah, they're hardcore, right? <laughs> yeah. Before I jump into the book and the memory, I just want to ask you why, even though we're a podcast, 
We're in the Philadelphia area. Do you have any fond memories from Vinny's days or Nelson's days in Philadelphia? Uh, yes, we did. Uh, let's see. Tower Theater. Did we do that with Alice also? I know yeah, I did, yeah. Uh, the, the, Two months yeah. apart, November and December. Right, right. Okay, cool. And then I think I came back a couple years later and did it with the Nelson brothers. So that was like that was like the, the, the venue of choice then. Is that, uh, is that still kicking out there or has it been probably history a long time? Huh? No, no. The Tower Theater is definitely still there. Oh, wow. Oh, badass. So has yeah, Lita, Philly's cool. Has Lita played um, Bethlehem? The indoor casino? I, I'm not sure, to be honest. It's possible. <laughs> well, you tell your, bo- you tell yeah, your yeah, bosses yeah. there's a new place in Philly. It's the Sugar House Casino. Okay. And um, mm. I think you guys would go big there. I saw Night Ranger there. And uh, Carrie cool. Kelly thought it was a strip club. He's like, I heard Sugar House. I thought it was a strip club. <laughs> so, <laughs> right on. So going back to the Berkeley School of Music and Drums, how did you wind up from being like an athletic kid to being in drums and yet then on to heavy metal from there? Yeah, well, I think being an athletic kid and drumming kind of go hand in hand. Maybe that was part of the, the, the fascination I always had with it. Uh, it's the, 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 the physicality involved with it. Uh, I, I tell a story in, in the book about how like the, the first time I really got a chance to see like some neighborhood kids jamming, jamming along with the, the record, you know, back in the old phonograph days, you know, and, and just watching that, man, just the, the, the brutality, the contained violence of this guy, the, this kid, Cole Newberry, playing along with the Black Sabbath record. Um, that was a moment for me, you know, so I that was you know, 10 years old. And I uh, it's just one of those things where in that moment, I just knew. I just knew, man. And speaking of Alice Cooper, Alice had been one of the early influences, along with Sabbath and, and Deep Purple, and all of the, the, the uh, you know heavy bands like that, you know Kiss and then Rush and all these other bands. So all that was just part of a natural progression I had musically going throughout high school until I eventually went to Berkeley, and then got you know interested in other styles of drumming, other styles of music uh, as well. Before circling back around to the metal stuff and, and then doing the Vinnie Vincent gig. Awesome, awesome. So now, actually, you mentioned Deep Purple there. Mm-hmm. I played soccer with those guys in Fairmount Park one day, and there were like three Pele's on that team. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Pace and those guys, oh, my God, they ran. So I, I'm standing on the sideline smoking a cigarette, and Ian Gillen goes, now, nah, if you're here, you're playing. And we had the radio on. It was an 8-track with Deep Purple. And Ian Gillen wow. goes, oh, is that the lyrics to that song, Richie? <laughs> 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 okay. One of the things I really loved about the book is you really didn't take sides through the book. You kind of take the part where you could see both sides in hindsight, you know. And then the little comments you put on the end of the sentences and stories were just hilarious is that something you set out to do when you wrote it you know for sure and and the reason is because you know i I feel like when you write a memoir you know you want the the reader to have as full and detailed of a perspective of what happened as possible and then let them decide you know let, let them have their own evaluation of it if i you know and of course you know, you would, I mean, obviously if there was something that was upsetting or if I was, you know, pissed off about something, whatever it was, I would, I would, you know, obviously inject the appropriate emotion. But as, as far as 
you know, why people do things and, and, uh, all of that, some of that, we, you know, going back 30 years, I mean, to me, when I look at the, the Vinnie Vincent invasion situation, it was very complex. And, you know, when somebody does something that you disagree with, there's probably deeper reasons for why they do it. And I just don't feel like it's my position to presume I know why or to draw some conclusion about the person for why they did what they did, especially all that time ago. So my goal in writing it was just to detail everything that happened uh, as uh, clearly as possible. Obviously, share my perspective. If I had an idea of this is where I thought it was, so that is what I thought it was, I would mention it. But I just think it, it, it makes for a better read. You know, people can see the full, full dimension, the full scope of the situation, and then they can decide, uh, you know, good, bad or ugly, you know, and, and that, that, I think it makes for a better read. And, um, you know, re-recording the drums a couple times on the first uh, disc. Who knows what many hears? Right. I mean, the guy wrote Lick It Up, man. And you pretty well, much, and, and you pretty much right. stated, you know, his creativity. You don't know what he was listening for. Well, I, I don't know that he did either. And, and that, that's, <laughs> the, the, that example, that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. You know, if uh, the, the, the long story short, I, mean, I know this is kind of an infamous story by now, but, but the, essentially, in retrospect, what I felt was going like was going on is that, that you know, in, in 1985, I mean, this was, you know, the drum machine was just really taking over everything in most every other style of music. You know, prior to that, you know, from the late 70s into the 80s, all any music you heard, whether it was on TV, at the, a movie soundtrack, if you're sitting in the theater, almost all music on the radio, including disco, which was obviously the, the, the dance type music. These were all live drummers playing on that. So we had live drums. Now all of a sudden, boom, everything has a drum machine on it. If you remember that, like my Miami Vice soundtrack or, you know, that around that you know, on TV, commercials, everything, machine, machine, machine. So I think, you know, Vinny was really starting to hear a lot of that, you know, that metronomical robot sounding drum kind of vibe had infiltrated everything. You know, Michael Jackson, I mean, every, all the mainstream stuff had that vibe. And, and Vinny, you know, an accomplished songwriter would listen to all different kinds of music he liked all different styles so i think on the one hand that was like the contemporary vibe and even pyromania was like one of the first records to come out that had that, that sort of metronomical precision and that was like the latest and the greatest having come out a couple years prior whatever it was and so came out Vinny of necessity was, was too right 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 and and, and i think with, with Vinny in his mind i think he on the one hand he wanted that kind of you know modern sounding groove but at the same time, you know, he was a musician's musician. He liked all the crazy drum chops. He he this, he loved that stuff. So he wanted me to play that as well. So I think doing the record three times was his way of trying to reconcile. Okay, okay, I want Bobby to you know sound like a machine basically, but I want Bobby to do all of his cool chops as well. And you know that's a perfect example of the idea that you know uh, if, if somebody is a Vinnie Vincent fan and they read that story. They're going to go, wow, man, this guy was a genius. He was so meticulous. He had Bobby play the the record three times. If they're not of any events, they'll go, here we go again. Look at this crazy guy. But he had Bobby play the record three times. So it's just, it, it's, you know, let the reader take their, <laughs> choose their side on it. But that was, uh, that was exactly what went down, you know? I like the fact that whenever Dana called, it was bad news. <laughs> <laughs> During the day. 
yeah during the day yeah, right yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I, I was still i was still living at my parents house in houston texas and this this guy would call like you know he didn't he didn't really ever consider okay it, it's it's you know it's 1 a.m in los angeles right now bobby's <laughs> in houston it's 3 a.m and this is back in the day where it just rings all through the, the house you know, there's no cell phones there's no you know and it'd be you know 3 a.m the phone would ring and it'd be like oh that must be dana strum and it was always a casual call but if he ever called during the day it was like uh-oh Something happened, you know, something catastrophic happened. He's got to call me during the day. So now at the <laughs> end of the first album, it was considered to be underperformed at 300000 But the book explains, you know, right. that there was some money given to the former singer. <laughs> and that kind of used up your budget for the second. So you find yourself living back at home in Houston in your parents' bedroom or your parents' bedroom they had for you. Right. Was that really strange to do? I mean, I, I think at that time the only thing you bought was the Batmobile, right? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're true. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, back then, you know, I, I got to understand, I mean, I, you know, I'm you know, 22 years old. I mean, I had I'd always just been a struggling musician. And, of course, you th- I, I thought, okay, by, you, know, you land, uh, you're playing with the ex-guitar play from kiss now you have a deal with christmas records it's a whatever it was a six album four million dollar deal or whatever the the stats were on it so the perception is that you're going to be making a lot of money and the thing you mentioned about robert i mean that, that was a settlement that crystals did with him because they didn't get his approval for mark to lip sync to the to, to boys are going to rock on the boys are going to rock video uh so what that did is that kind of crippled us from being able to go deeper into the record uh, to do multiple videos and, and that kind of thing. I mean, theoretically, who knows if they would have done it, but that was sort of the, the, the word on the street. But to right. your question, um, yeah, I was kind of bizarre. And, and the, the Batmobile was a 76 Corvette. I mean, I, I always wanted to get a Corvette, but frankly, I just could not really justify or, or, or pull the finances together to get a new one. So I got this uh, kind of a kind of a beat up. Uh, uh, actually, it was white when I bought it, but I had arranged to have somebody paint it black and put pink pinstripes on it, of course. And that was my, you know, uh, that, that was that was my token gesture of, of being a successful musician back then. That's was, that was the best I could manage at the time, you know. And well, uh, so, yeah, you, I, you know. I read the book right through and I got it in the mail. But I really wanted to like cool enjoy it. So I reread it a second time and I know I had to go to the bathroom during it and it was the okay. point where you <laughs> took your date and your dad told you you know don't be too uh, wild with the car and then <laughs> you wound up in the ditch oh my god yes. i do believe yeah, yeah. i peed myself so that was, that was pretty nutty that was pretty nutty <laughs> because it was like the evening started off where you know the big rock star had this hot girl in his corvette <laughs> and at, at 2 a.m., the, the the big rock star is you know, uh, with his father in a uh, uh, minivan driving the girl home because the vet is incapacitated. So, yeah, that was uh, not one of my higher moments from the, uh, the, 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 the life back then, you know. It was definitely a higher <laughs> moment for your dad because he didn't say I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way he was, man. He, he, he just looked at me because he, he had been warning me. I'd been like hot riding around town in the car <laughs> because it was one of these things where you had a big – it had a big 454 in it, so you like you floor it, and whenever it would kick into second gear, the tires would screech. So I used to just demonstrate that for anybody who got in the car with me. Wow, it was my first sports car. I thought it was cool. And uh, the only thing I forgot about is you don't want to do that when it's been raining, when the streets are wet. So I had the girl in the car with me. And I thought I would demonstrate it for, for her. And as soon as it kicked in a second, it just started fishtailing, and boom, we wind up on the side of the road with you know both tires off the wheels. 
So uh, uh, not a pretty picture. <laughs> so now, actually, I was privileged to a lot of the inside information in the book from different people. Sure. Along my way. Um, but sure. I got to say, this is a must read for anybody in the music or drums, not just the Vinnie Vincent or, you know, people from that era or I, I whatever. So. I, right. I, I, that's fair to say, don't you think? It's a good read no matter whether you know the players or not. That's that's the word I'm getting. That's what people are saying. And and that was kind of what I was thinking early on. I mean, I, you know, I guess you know, I, I'd done a few blog posts a few years back about the adventures, Benny Metz Invasion, doing that record and doing the initial audition and that kind of thing. Uh, but the reason I decided to write the book is just because, you know, I've been I've been writing for quite a while now and. I just felt like it was an interesting story, um, and and you know the more time that, that that passes between what I call the golden era, of, the golden age of hard rock, which is back there through the seventies and eighties, uh, the more time that passes, the more you realize just how special of a time that was, man. Just exactly. I mean, to, to be a a music lover, to be a musician, what those times were like, what it was like to be on the road back then, the the, the industry, how things worked. All of that, man. So <clears throat> just to have a nice encapsulation of it, I think was cool. And, and you know, I think a good story is universal. You don't have to necessarily know who the Vinnie Vincent Invasion was or be a fan of, of that era of hard rock or whatever to uh, in, enjoy it. You know? Yeah. Let me let me touch on the book for just a couple minutes here. Uh, one of the stories sure. in the book is about you being able to sleep through Mark, Mark's sexual comings and goings. Now, right. I've experienced that firsthand with you in a different way. I don't know if you remember, Dave Snowden and I took you up to Long Island. I from picked you up in Long Island, drove you to Poughkeepsie for the one of the very first KISS conventions. Right, and right. There was a yeah. fire drill, which you and me both slept through. <laughs> <laughs> At the hotel. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, and and were you? It sounds like you were a deep sleeper as well, or you didn't um, want to get out of bed. Not only did, was I a deep sleeper, but I used to be a heavy snorer. And they, those guys were like on the tile floor, going, "Stop that chainsaw!" But uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But they told That's me the next day that, that the yeah. electric that there was a fire alarm. <laughs> I remember seeing Richie Rano. I bought something from him. I think still in my room. Right, right. All right. I don't want to give all the stories out of the book because you know. Got to, someone's got to buy this thing if I tell them. <laughs> but please clean this up for radio and tell me the Iron Maiden, your drum tech story. I think the listeners would love that one. Right, right, right. So we are out on the road touring with Iron Maiden. Tour's going great. For whatever reason, they decide to cut loose of my drum tech at the time his name was chris I, he was to me he was doing a great job but there was some other conflict so they had to let him go so dana strum forever the man pulling the, the, the strings behind the scene <laughs> pulled me aside and said listen bobby who do you know who already knows your setup who we can just get out here quickly to fill in for chris to finish up the tour we don't have, we don't really have time to train some new guy try to audition guys just who can we hire and I thought of one guy, and his name was Charles England, and it was a, he was a kid who I had done a lot of touring with when I was doing the club circuit thing. And he was a you know competent tech, a little, a little crazy, but you know, he did the job well. But he was this crazy, hardcore Iron Maiden fan, had a tattoo of Eddie on his arm. I mean, Iron Maiden was his band, and Steve Harris was his god, so to speak. That was like his favorite band, favorite musician, Steve Harris. So I, I told Dana, I go, well, this guy could come out and do a good job, but you know, he's a hardcore 
uh, Maiden fan. So Dana made it very clear. Just tell him that he cannot talk to these guys. He cannot look at these guys. We can't have him playing fanboy out here. Uh, you know, we're the, we're the opening act, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I tracked this guy down. I say, listen, bro, I can get you out on this tour. You can be my tech, but you can't look at these guys. You can't talk to these guys. I don't care what you want. You want to go up to any, you know, Steve or whatever. Don't do it. Just keep your head down, do your job and ignore them. So he said, yeah, yes, I'll do it. I'll do it. No problem. No problem. So we fly him out. And sure enough, for the rest of the tour, he bit his tongue. He kept his head down, low profile. He'd walk right by you know, Steve Harris coming up for sound check or whatever and just didn't talk to anybody and sort of disappeared into the landscape of the stage exactly as we asked him to do. On the last night of the tour, we're in El Paso, Texas, and Iron Maiden invites the Vinnie Vincent camp to go backstage for a quick second after the tour. You know, thanks for, you know, just have a little, little quick get together, a little after tour celebration kind of thing. And uh, before we all went home. So Charles heard that we're going to be going back there and meeting the main guy. So he pulls me aside. Bobby, please just let me go back and, and just let me finally just meet the guys. I won't be a pest. I'll just go in. I want to meet Steve Harris. Just come on. So I pulled Dane aside. What do you think, man? Charles wants to go back. So he said, listen, come back with us, meet the guys, and then just get out of there, man. We don't want you hanging out. We don't want you asking a bunch of stupid questions. Just come in, come out. Boom. Yeah, I'll do it. Cool, cool. So finally, we're all walking back. It was like one of these big like basketball arena type, type places. So as we walked into their dressing room, it was like a sports locker room. You know? So as we walked in, uh, we saw some of the main guys right there, Bruce and a couple other guys are right up front there. And you know, it had one of those big concrete walls that had the open showers. So we could hear that someone was behind the wall in the shower. Didn't, you know, we didn't know who it was, but so somebody's taking a shower. But nonetheless, there's a, there's a couple handfuls of us there talking, Bruce and the guys and all that. And Charles is kind of hanging in the back. And it's kind of like, hey, great tour, guys. Thanks for having us. You know, this kind of thing. So I pull Charles from the back, introduce him to whoever was there. In fact, I think it was everybody was there but Steve for some reason. So he got to meet all the other main guys. And then he walks back behind us, low profile. We're kicking. We're talking. Everything's cool. All of a sudden, we hear the shower water cut off. And out from around the, the corner there comes Steve Harris, fresh out of the shower, completely naked, with a towel wrapped around his head. And, of course, as he walks out, he sees us over there completely unfazed that you know he's naked and there's a bunch of people there he just walks right over to us hey guys great tour man glad you could tour with us you know this kind of thing and so there he is he didn't he just didn't care you know and i thought you know man it's gonna either be now or never that charles can finally meet his idol so i reached back <laughs> grabbed charles <clears throat> pull him up next to me hey steve i wanted you to meet my drum tech charles steve steps right up schlong a dangling Holds his hand out. Hey, mate, nice to meet you. Charles, you know, careful not to break direct eye contact. <laughs> Shakes his hand. Uh, nice to meet you, sir. And that was this guy's first encounter with his idol. And I just, I always thought that would be crazy, man, to have like, you know, you finally get to meet, you know, someone you admire so much, you've always wanted to meet under such circumstances. That must be a memory etched into your brain that you will never forget, you know? <laughs> yeah, that is definitely the story of this book, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. So are you surprised that you're still part of the KISS family? Frankly, yes. <laughs> you know, because, I mean, you know, like Vinny was in the band a few years, and he has his historical place, there's no question. But that was a long time ago when you think about it. Yeah. You know, uh, you know the uh, uh, Creatures and Lick It Up era, and, and uh, this was you know decades ago. And then I was just like Vinny's drummer. So I'm like, so not only was Vinny not the original guitarist, but I was just Vinny's drummer for, that, for the three years that the Invasion was together. So 
I figured maybe back then, because it was new and fresh and still kind of current, that uh, I thought it was always thought it was cool how the the, the Kiss folks, uh, um, the Kiss family, embraced me as like a member of extended family. Right. Uh, but it's just always been that way, man. Through the years, no matter what other gigs I've done, other tour tours I've done, whatever, uh, I've always maintained, man, that the, the Kiss fans are something really special. They've always made me feel welcome. And uh, always great to to run into these folks on the road, man. It's been going on now for over thirty years, you know. So yeah. So how how big of an atrocity do you think it is that the so-called V man wasted all his talent away? I mean, the man responsible for saving Kiss went out and got a record deal and then disappeared for thirty years. That's insane. Right. And right. It, it really is. It really. And look, you know, again. Like we were talking about earlier, everybody's on their, everybody has their reasons for doing what they're doing, you know, and, and, and all of that. But yes, to your point, I've thought about that often. And I mean, you know, Mark Slaughter and I have talked about that, you know, a bunch of times. Like, man, you know, look, whatever happened, happened. We don't even care, man. It's like, this guy is just too talented uh, as both a songwriter and a player to have not been, you know, putting things out through the years, you know? So I, th I think I described it as a crime against nature, <laughs> you know, that he hasn't, that, that, that there hasn't been some level of output from him through the years. So right. it's unfortunate. And, and now we can only hope that maybe somehow or another, he'll uh, moving forward here, uh, deliver something, you know, get, give us some, throw us a crumb, you know? <laughs> yeah. He was always nothing but fantastic to me. I spent the week right. with you guys at Cherokee. On Fairfax. Sure. Yeah, I remember. I went home on my birthday in shorts, and it was freezing in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> so now Vinnie Vincent ends. The invasion has invaded no more. Slaughter takes over their right. deal with Chrysalis. You decide to go up the coast and find yourself. Looking back, would you have changed your mind? Well, you know, one, one, as you'll recall, one of the things in retrospect that I've really felt about, I guess it's kind of a life philosophy is, you know, the, the answer is no, I wouldn't have changed my mind because I now know everything that happened as a result. <clears throat> so, you know, you change one decision. Like, like we can't compartmentalize our decisions and say, well, I want everything about my life to be pretty much as it was, but I just want to change this decision that I made right here. You, once you change one of those decisions like that, everything else in the future changes as well. So it's like, you know, you're, you, I'd be completely rolling the dice on a completely different life having followed that. And I just wouldn't want to have risk, you know, missing out on right, all that I've experienced. Right. So that, that's my that's my philosophical answer. Uh, however, <laughs> you know, for, for all the reasons I didn't have to do the slaughter gig and, and moving on and all that, uh, I, I think I even say it in the book, you know, just to be honest, I didn't know that record was going to do what it did. I really didn't, man. I mean, just, you know, our experience with Chrysalis at the time, I thought, man, if they get, if they can only do three, four hundred thousand out of a Vinny Vincent record with Mark and Dana, I, I didn't, you know, I knew Dana was a kick ass producer. I knew Mark was a world class singer. I didn't know what kind of songs these guys were going to write. I mean, because songwriting, I mean, it, it all gets down to the songs, as we know. Yeah. And there were a lot of X factors about it and all that. So I just, I just presume that at best, <clears throat> that record might do what a, a, a an invasion record did, or maybe not quite as good. I mean, who knows, you know? So, uh, so that was, that was one of the things that I thought about besides my primary reason of just wanting to have a clean slate to move forward 
do some other things. I want to do my you know, drum video, drum book, kind of head down the road doing some of that kind of stuff. I just wanted a, a new experience with some different folks after the, uh, the, the, the trauma that we had all <laughs> had just endured on the road uh, that all systems go to her, you know. All right. My next my next anecdote leads into the next question. I saw Dana yep. and Mark um, three years ago. And I okay. sat I sat down and the first thing I said was the cracked mark up to no end was, Dana, do you show up on stage sweating? I really don't want to give you a hug, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he goes, Right. Uh, my kid's four, he's got it too. I told him to kick his shoes off. Right. Did Dana always sweat that much. <laughs> Man, he's that he that's how he performs. And that's what he does, you know? It's he, before you know, he gets on stage. Right. He's soaking right. Wet. That, that's his yeah. That, that, that's his sweat glands kick again as he's heading towards the stage. Sure. That's him, man. <laughs> okay. You know, oddly enough, um, I turned over a bunch of high resolution stuff to Dana. He was putting a memoir together. Actually, one of the photos that's in the book is actually mine, but it was credited to David. So I give Snowden his due. Yeah, the shot from Cherokee that he has the um, Playboy. I took that. <laughs> oh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah you know what? There, okay. I, and then, there, yeah, there's a photo in there that was from, that looked like it was taken like two minutes after or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Right on. So, we'll have um, to fix that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you don't got to fix it. Every time I see those guys, I go, I'm still waiting for that double platinum for my wall. Don't worry. We're going to get you one. <laughs> Mark told me I could come over the house and barbecue in his pit as soon as I get my act together. Right. So um, what's it like doing the podcast convention? How great was that to be reunited with David Snowden? Hello? He's just the greatest mind and can put stuff like that in order. Guess who trimmed that question for me? <laughs> <laughs> I did let so David read. The, the, the I let Kiss David Expo? read these over. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I heard. I heard you did really well. Yeah, the the Kiss Expo in in Indy. You're talking about Indianapolis, right, right David? Was yeah, right. that was phenomenal, man. Uh, great time, and, and yeah, Snowden was right there. I mean, you know, again, one of the themes of the book is this whole full circle thing, and and what was crazy is. As I was as I was finishing up the book, you know, David and I have been in touch through the years. Of course, he came, he and his wife came out to a uh, uh, Lita show uh, a couple years back when we were in the in the Baltimore area. So we've been in touch, and so he was great. He actually was one of my what I call beta readers. He got he had an advanced copy of the book, and I got some good feedback from him on it. And and then in, in terms of the you know releasing the book and doing sort of like a pledge music style campaign to launch it. He goes, Bobby, you got to do something like this, man. There's a lot of people who'd really love to like, get the book with these special bundles of other memorabilia, et cetera. So he was really the brains behind all of that. And, and then working with him at the expo was great, man. Having to hang right there. And like you say, man, that, that business mind, you know, it, I, I just kept thinking, man, here we are 30 plus years later. I know. And he's right there. And, and he and, looks and this, the this, same. He, right there, man. Yeah, he really does. He really does. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great time, man. So actually, I um, I went and saw Poison the other night, and tour managing was Larry Morand, who does the Monsters of Rocks. We go back. Right, to sure. When yeah, he was yeah. 18, I met him. And mm. I said to him, uh, but you're missing the boat. I said, get, get Bob to come on, talk about the book, sign some autographs, line people up. He said that's that's a really good idea. So maybe he'll book leader for that too. Well, yeah, we I think we just did the uh, the expo this last year. So we usually do it every couple of years. You know, it's a it's a lot of fun. 
I, I saw up in Clifton, New Jersey, you played solo on Mark's solo tour. You played drums. Right. How did yep. that come about and what was it like? Well, it was killer, man. I mean, I, I had, you know, I, I played with Slaughter in 03. You know, they did that White Snake tour. It was one of those Rock Never Stops tours. And yeah. so that, that was like my first time to really kind of reunite with Mark and, and Dana again. That was a lot of fun. So I played with Slaughter in 03, 04. Did a bunch of shows together. And of course, I'd seen... Uh, the guys through the years of different shows and Mark and I had played in, in scrap metal, which, you know, is that kind of uh, all-star type yeah, thing. With the different, exactly. And, and, and other play, I mean, scrap metal plays around the country. It's the Nelson brothers and Mark Slaughter and then different uh, revolving door of different singers. But anyway, when Mark had his new record that halfway their record came out, uh, I guess it's been a couple of years now um, or last year, maybe he, he, you know, called and said, Hey man, want to do some shows? I'm like, hell yes. So, that was cool. Uh, we had a chance to, to, to do some playing and, and, you know, Mark, man, I mean, it's, we, we, we had that brother bond from day one. Right. We always have a great time together. And, uh, and he's still singing his ass off. That's a really great record. Well, you, Mark and some, Dana yeah. will always be connected. Yes. Without question. And who was the tour manager? Tyrone? <laughs> <laughs> inside, inside joke people. Yeah. Get the book. You'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so now um, you're out with the queen, Lita Ford. Yes. How does that go? It's great, man. I mean, it's, you know, again, over five and a half years now. Wow. Uh, she She's the real deal, man. Uh, I, you know, and, and the band, you know, we're at a point now where, you know, Marty O'Brien on bass, Patrick Kennison on guitar. It's been this core lineup for years now, for a long time. And uh, it's comfortable the band sounds great yeah there's just something about when you've been playing with the same people for a while how you get into a groove yeah and so that's kind of like where we're at as a band but but you know she she runs the show and, and you know and, where uh, it's gonna go when you're in the middle of something yeah but more or less now the, the other cool thing is that there's an old school type of vibe about the band that you know and, and with lita where you know she's very spontaneous we, we may you know no two shows are exactly the same she may switch some songs around or we mm -hmm. may take a certain part of a song and, and go off or you know there, there's always that sort of you know what i call old school spontaneity that happens and uh so it, it's it's a it's a great gig on every level it's refreshing and she's the real deal man she picks up a guitar i always say she can play anybody's guitar through anybody's amp and it will sound like her right and that's a sign of any you know great musician accomplished musician that their sound is in their hands. It doesn't matter the you know how the amp is set or what guitar it is or whatever. They can they, they sound like they sound it's like you know Eddie Van Halen or Richie Blackmore. They they can play any guitar and you know oh that's Richie oh that's Eddie just by the why it's in their hands you know and she's the same way. She did the 2015 Monsters of Rock cruise. I know because you and I were both signing right, in at the same right. time and Lita didn't have credentials. She had to fly into the Bahamas the next day. And she was not, yeah, that was, that was not a happy crazy. camper. <laughs> that was pretty crazy, man. It, it was actually an expired passport. You know, she she technically, I believe, that I think her citizenship is either dual or, you know, she might still have a British passport, believe it or not, because she was born over there. She grew up in California and everything. But so there was an issue with the passport. So we're all, you know how it is on those things. You, there's a crazy sort of you know process of going, checking in and, and getting on the ship and, and all that. And mm -hmm. so as we were getting on the ship, our manager said, we, we saw that there was an issue there. They go, yeah, guys, go ahead. We're going to resolve this. Uh, we just have the, there's a technicality or whatever. And they wouldn't let her on the boat. That, that's how strict it was. And so as we were pulling away, 
and the, the, the rest of us were on the boat, but she had to you know, take a cab back to a hotel and she was just going to hang out in Miami for a few days until we got back. And it was a drag. So the manager says, you know what? There's nothing we can do. We're not going to play. Just consider this a vacation. Enjoy the next few days. We'll catch up with Lita when we get off the boat. So she goes back to the hotel. She's devastated and she's pissed. And when Lita Ford gets pissed, <laughs> things happen. You know, th- th- things change. <laughs> and so uh, I, and I guess I was still figuring that out. But, you know, so we're, we're out. We're at sea. And, of course, you can get these Internet connections here you know, intermittently. And, and at some point, I decided to, to Skype her in her hotel room to, to, to you know, uh, call her phone via Skype just to check in. I figured she's going to be devastated. You know, I, I'll give her a pep talk, whatever. I just want to call and, and, and see how she was hanging in and all that. And this is roughly 24 hours later. I call her number and I hear, uh, oh, hey, Bobby. I hear this kind of commotion in the background. I go, where are you at? She says, I'm at the airport. What are you doing? I'm going through security. Where are you going? To the Bahamas. I'm getting on that bleep, bleep, bleep boat. And she did. I, I, to this, I mean, she actually flew into, the, I, I don't know how she did it, what the plane was, what, you know, any of the logistics, but she gets, she found a way to get on there. I remember the next day or later that night, whatever it was, you could hear the announcement through, because everybody, the, the announcement was, unfortunately, Lita Ford will not be able to perform. And now they started to announce in advance, you know, the queen is on her way to the boat. The queen is. So they, they made a big fuss about it. You know? Yeah, and you and guys sure played poolside in the daytime. Exactly, exactly. Actually, yeah. you know, um, the best part of those Monsters of Rock trips are I've made friends I still have. And that particular right. day, a, a couple from Arkansas got me a chair. They're like, you want to get a beer? I'm like, nah, I think I'll go with water. They're like, oh, I can respect that. <laughs> and then he right. tells me his wife is a nurse. And she comes up and she goes, how's your blood sugar today? And I go, well, I'm kind of swollen, blah, blah, blah. She pretty much carried me by my ear to my cabin to check my blood sugar. Wow. And he was trying to get an Iron Maiden beer guitar pick for this guitar he was building. (laughs) Right. I sent him the whole bottle. I had one. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a little-known fact is you taught Bloss, he was one of your students from Slaughter, and you taught Travis right. Barker? Right. Now, yeah, that, Travis, that was right after the Nelson era, yeah. Have you, have you spoken to Travis? He's got some health issues. You know, I, I haven't, man. I, I know that, that Blink-182 rehearses the, the same facility where, where Lita does. I know we're, uh, we're, we're, we're often missing each other, but, you know, I mean, I haven't talked to Travis in years. I, I couldn't tell you the last time I talked to him. I heard he's and, got you know, some kind he, of a blood yeah. clot he keeps getting in his legs. Mm. Probably, was it related to the wreck, I, I imagine? The I, crash? I don't know. I yeah. Know. Uh, he's led a life, Travis. I'd love to talk to him. It's been years. Yes, true. He's a hell of a drummer, man. Are there any more famous drummers going to fall out of the woodwork that you taught that we should know about? <laughs> there there might be. You know, what, what's, what's so crazy is, because, you know, uh, all those years when I was involved with the educational, you know, like the, doing the drum clinics and I did a couple of drum videos and drum books and this kind of thing. You know, you, you try to do the best you can. You're, you're, you know, I've done a lot of traveling around the country where I do these presentations and you have, you know, younger kids there and, and, you know, of course you're selling the videos and books and, and you realize different, different age folks are buying them and, and whatnot. And then you, what, what, it, what it occurs to me is that, you know, these drummers, you know, obviously many of them become pro drummers and many of those pro drummers, you know, wind up in bigger name bands. So 
that's something that that's uh, those those are some of the fruits of the labor that I run across these days. You know, we like Lita might, might be opening up for somebody or whatever or at one of these big festivals and a drummer will come up and go, oh, wow, Bobby Rock, man, you know, I had your video and my, my you know, my, my mom got it for me on my birthday in 10th grade and I used to practice. And and so you're able to see now the sort of the paying it forward, if you will, of, of folks who were influenced by a lot of the, those methods and teachings and all that from years ago now they're now we're opening for them <laughs> you know yeah so it's pretty cool i know 30 years ago when we picked you up you were already on a health kick is that something you were born with right and when's the last time you went out and had a burger last time i had a burger would have been 1990 <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i yeah we're and, and, at two would, two different was, ends of the yeah. spectrum on the body i'll tell you that much <laughs> well you know I always mention that I, I went through my, my drug and alcohol phase, my weed and alcohol phase at a very, very young age. And so I went to a, a rehab program when I was in junior high. It was kind of like a like an AA 12-step type thing in okay. Houston. And I never looked back. I mean, once I got involved with the program and all that, I never fell off the wagon again. And this was decades ago. So I've, I've did you did you have you ever thought of releasing a um, healthy eating book or living? Yes, yes. I believe me that that's been on the that's been on the back burner for for ages now. And I, I got I got a, I've written extensively about it. BobbyRock.com at the blog there. There's a ton of entries. And yes, I do have a methodology. I do have a, a, a very particular. Uh, sort of lifestyle philosophy that I talk about that's built around, you know, nutrition, exercise, the mind-body connection, all these things that I've been studying through the years. And, uh, and and all of that comes about as a result of just having gone through rehab at such a young age, and but still ha- having that addictive personality thing. I think one of the places where I directed that was like in weight training. So once I got into weightlifting, then I started paying more attention right, to right. nutrition. Once I got into nutrition, I wound up getting to the vegetarian or now the vegan thing. So I've been vegan since 93, a veggie since 90, 91, uh, vegan since 93. Well, and how, then it, how it all, old it are all you now? Of, you know, 54? 55 today. 55? today. Wow, yep. you got me by a year. <laughs> Why is it you look great and I don't? (laughs) All right. I I, I follow you on Facebook. You know, you're on there. You pre-drum before the show. You do the show. You do some more drumming or bike or something to wind down. And because when you get old, you have to pee at four in the morning, you decide to get up and go jogging. Does someone follow along? Because some of these cities switch in the bad neighborhoods, and I'm thinking, this is just what he needs, you know? Well, even bad guys have to sleep, so I go out so late (laughs) at night that uh, I I don't ever see anybody, man. I mean, it's it's, uh, – that's my thing. I love love going out for like, you know, 2, 3 a.m. and going for a a run in a a strange city. Love doing that, man. And I mean, I'll go out there for a run. Sometimes – You'll, I'll hardly see anybody, man. Maybe the occasional car drive by or whatever. And listen, you know, if it's there, there are a few places in the country that I probably, if we're like staying at a hotel in downtown Detroit and it's you know 3 a.m. on a Saturday night, I'll probably stick with like the treadmill at the hotel that night. You know what I mean? But well, you know, I get up to pee at four uh, in the morning yeah. and uh, I just go back to sleep. It's a, it's a novel idea. You should think about it sometime. Right. All right, a couple okay. multiple choice question. A real simple one for you. Which okay. would you rather headline a venue, play a cruise ship like the Monsters of Rock, 
do one of those Rocklahoma or M3 festivals, or would you rather open for, you know, a heavyweight? Wow, man. You know, actually, that is not such a simple question because all four of those scenarios you just described are what you do <laughs> completely different. Yeah, they're, they're completely different experiences. They all have their own advantage, you know, you know upside downside, if you will, you know. Mm-hmm. So the the idea of playing like a Rocklahoma thing or opening for a big headliner is cool because of the amount of people you're going to be in front of. But then it's an abbreviated set, and sometimes the, the, the you don't have those headliner conditions. You're, you have less stage space, that kind of thing. Daylight. You know? Right, right, exactly. Monsters of Rock Cruise, I mean, those are great. They're, it's like, you know, being on vacation. I, we, you know, I, something that if you had told me 30 years ago, oh, one day you're gonna, there's going to be these things. You know, I, Back then, you know, like the love boat was our only reference we had to cruise ships. So to think that you know, there'd be like a rock and roll version of that. That I could not have imagined, but those are a lot of fun. So now, but then headlining, uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You finished. I just said that. that yeah, I just said that, that. That you know, head headlining on any venue. I guess the thing about that is, you know, you you have the the best conditions to perform behind, like the gear, the lights, uh, the as the headliner, you get that good sound check. So get those that, are probably you get those good granola bars backstage. <laughs> I know, I know you think you're joking right now, but that's for the real, Alice man. Cooper band fights over catering. the Fuji water. Okay, <laughs> that's the right, best right. water. You got to get the Fuji. So that's now right. you've got a great Facebook page too, um, and your website kills. You'll <coughs> sign anything anybody buys on there, from metamorphoses right, right on up. So True. let's let's give out that address so people can buy this book and buy whatever you're got on there and you'll autograph it for them always yeah that's part of the vibe i mean it's i mean the book is on amazon it's all over the place online all that however if you buy it from it's just simply uh bobbyrockstore.com and if you go to bobbyrock.com there are links to the store there as well but yeah anything with that that we uh sell through the store uh i autograph and, and what you'll find at bobbyrockstore.com is a lot of different bundles. So you can get like the book with an autographed pair of drumsticks or the book with some of my solo CDs or my book with a T-shirt. Or There's a lot of different uh, options in, 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 uh, in being able to get the book with some bundles that we offer. And I sign everything every time. Man. Yeah, when David moved, he gave me a... Um... I have one of the symbols from the first album. Is that or, right? No, no, no. It's not a symbol. It's a drum head. It's a drum head that you oh, okay. signed. Yeah. Hell, I don't even have one of those from the first album. <laughs> well, I sell it to you with a bundle package with a yeah. shirt. <laughs> before, before I let you go, Bobby, what's what's in the future? Is there anything you'd like to say to our kids' room mm-hmm. and the live audience, which is listening right now? And Matt Porter's a big fan. Aye, aye, Captain. The time is yours. Right on. Listen, man, we got 30 years behind us. I'm just hoping for another 30 ahead, man. Uh, always great to play for you guys. Always try to come up and say hello. Love meeting new people. Love being old friends. And here's, here's another three decades of rock and roll. There you go. Bobby, thanks so much for taking time out from the Gettysburg Bike Fest. For sure. And I appreciate you having me, man. All right. That does it from here. I am going to send it back to Matt Porter in the Kiss Room. Take it to the kiss room, baby.
Wow, that was cool. Thanks to Alex Richter for leading that interview with Bobby Rock. Now, somebody go get Alex a bottle of water. I got it. <laughs> Alex is down the hall in the other studio. So now, look, you just heard all about it. If you, you want to get that book from Bobby Rock, it's called Bobby Rock, This Boy is Gonna Rock, A Drummer's Journey from Houston to Hollywood in Search of Hair Metal Heaven. And you can go to bobbyrock.com or bobbyrockshop.com and get it. Like I said at the start, tons of cool photos, all kind of like great stories. That Steve Harris one, we are totally cracking up here in the studio while they're telling that. It is the top of the hour. I'm going to reset things here in the Kiss Room. We're going to come back. we got all kind of fun. Don't go away. You're not allowed to smoke in the Kiss Room. Hi, everybody. It's Gene Simmons. You're listening to the Kiss Room on Montco Radio, but you knew that. You wanted the best, and you got it. The hottest man in the land, Matt Porter. Look at that. It was doing so smooth until I hit the wrong button. How about a kiss room? We're live. That is live radio for you. Alex Richter, thank you for nailing that interview. It was fantastic. Bobby Rock, thanks for calling in in Gettysburg, PA tonight at the Gettysburg Bike Festival with Lita Ford. It's fantastic. I want to send a shout-out to David Snowden, who actually hooked that interview up. You heard David Snowden get a lot of uh, nice, nice words during the interview. You can hear the crowd going wild as they hear the name David Snowden. What a good guy. Hooked us up with that. Uh, I'm going to give a bunch of shout-outs. We're into the second hour of the Kiss Room. I want to give a ton of shout-outs. I think maybe everybody was really super excited that we had Bobby Rock calling in. It's, you know, a, a legit rock star there. We had Chris Sinzak calling in, talking all about rock and pot. But, man, we got a ton of people. Uh, Joe Belly, Steve Javorski, who's on vacation. He can't believe his luck. Tony Mann, happy birthday. Tony up in New York City. Chris Goff from the Kiss World Podcast made some cool graphics for us today. Candy Burton and Christian are listening, and Candy posted a bunch of great pictures. Mikhail Burel, Bill Elam, David Cathy, Sean Cullen, Chris Sinzak, who just called in at the start of the show, Kat Mara, Christine Carlson-Wolf, a.k.a. Christine the Button Queen, Eric Alberti, Celeste Wheeler, Chris Ann Colvin, and Allison Ballack, Joe Laskin, Craig Bauer from Kispirational on Instagram. If you don't follow that already, you should. Britton Mitchell from the Kiss Cosplay Group, Chris Hartman, Christina Green, David Haltem. And David said last time he was listening to the Kiss Room while he was mowing his lawn. If any of you are listening to the Kiss Room while you're doing fun things, post a picture. Yeah, mowing your lawn can be a fun thing. <laughs> Ricky Cook, Dean John, Diana Zagel shared, and Diana's here, and she's going to tell us a good story in a bit. Yeah. Angela Lutz, Dottie Jones, Greg Johnson, Jerry Gellaf, Javier Boster, Kevin King, Jason Gallinger, Eddie Theo. Theodolus, I hope I said that right. Shane Hebert, Ira Boston, uh, Kiss Army Florida, Kiss Army Omaha, Mike Moon, Rodney Dixon, Vagabond Entertainment, Kenny Edmondson, John Phillips, Max AG. 
Is it Max Ag or Max AG? Max, you started a new podcast. You got to tell us. Martin Masso listening up in New York City. I think Marty was even listening during Harem. Kalen Provo was listening during Harem. Ed Spangenberg from Click Tees. We've all, we all got T-shirts last month. It was great. I'm wearing mine you know, the other day. It looks fantastic. Steve Campagna, we miss you in the Kiss Room. Darren Burris, Kevin Law, Scott Parker. Uh, Kiss Asylum, obviously. David Arquette, or Peter Arquette sends, shares our link every month. I want to send a shout-out. Eric and Judy Wisniewski do the Electric Crush live every Tuesday night from 7 to 9 p.m. on WMCK. You can listen to that on the TuneIn app, the same as you listen to the Kiss Room on the TuneIn app. One of my favorite shows. They play all kind of cool punk and rock, and they're having the most fun ever out in the Pittsburgh area. Give a shout-out to Ian Wadley, who gave me some nice shout-outs on his show. If you need something to do on a Saturday, Wadzilla World is live like all day on Saturday. You can't drink all day if you don't start early. you got to tune into craniumradio.com and listen to Wadzilla World. Podcast Rock City, Joe, Jody, Sonny, Brent, D-Rock, the crew over there, fantastic. Gary Schaller and the Podfather Ken Mills at the podcast. AJ Zonin, Anthony Porter, the lovely Amy Porter, and Madison Porter, who's listening right now, all shared the link and gave me some love. If you gave me some love, that's awesome. Thanks a million zillion people. Thanks for tuning in, man. I'll tell you, the numbers are blowing up. We got people all over the planet tuned in listening right now. We got a special treat because we got the Kiss Room house band with some special guests. But first, we're going to tell this story. Now, Diana's on her phone, but she's going to come over and tell us. When you met Gene Simmons, now, of course, Jim Zagel, bass player of the Kiss Room house band, his lovely wife's coming to the mic, and she's going to tell us the story. When you met Gene Simmons, what was the one thing that he said to you, uh, you know, when you had met him? <laughs> he was, I don't know what he saw in Jimmy, but he kept saying, where is your magician husband? Or look out for your magician husband. I have no idea what or why he said that. He never clarified. Just And he was trying to carry me away. He of course he was. He had his arm around my neck and he was pulling me away. And he, he's like, yeah, I'm going to pull you away from your magician husband. I'm like, what the hell? What do you mean my magician husband? And he, ne- and he just laughed. He never said anything. I never explained it. I think, no, it's radio, but I think it's the goatee look. Jim has that kind of old school <laughs> magician look. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. What do you think? I don't see it. <laughs> So that was actually now the funny thing we were talking about this when you came in Bushkill, PA. On this date back in 2011, wow. we were all up at uh, it was called the Lost City Tour, yeah. July 13th, 2011. So that was a lot of fun. That was like I think they had opened that place about a month earlier, and then I think it's closed about a month later. But it was <laughs> really? a fun show. Yeah, I didn't know. that, that was, was great actually fun. her first. Kiss show. So Beth, you're joining us, and that was your first ever Kiss show. Now, how old? Get up to the mic, Beth. No. How old were you at that time? I think three, right? You're four. Four. Wow. Now, look, four years old. What did you think of being at a Kiss show at four years old? I loved it. That's awesome. <laughs> now, what are your memories of that? Four years old at your first Kiss show. What do you remember about it? Pull the mic right down to you. I don't think it goes any further. All right, you, All right, you scooch up. There. there you go. You're tiny. All um, right, there you go. I remember that we were, we didn't get any seats, so we had to sit in the grass on, um, on blankets. But it was nice that night. Yes. So that's yeah, good. It was beautiful. She was dancing her little heart out. And what's your favorite kiss song? Beth. Beth, named after Beth. You're, that's your name, right? Mm-hmm. Perfect. 
Well, tell you what, what we're going to do is we got uh, some special guests. Fran's going to introduce. We're going to go to a bumper here, and then we're going to be right back. Hey, this is Eric Singer, live from the NAM 2018, and you're listening to The Kiss Room. Are you going to sing together? All right, introduce yourselves. All right, we ready? Okay. Well, so last year we had um, the Kiss uh, Kids show in July, and everyone loved it. So we had to do it again. Woo-hoo! How can we top it? So we had to bring more families, members of the family, <laughs> as Paul Stanley would say. Um, this is uh, Gianna's pop pop. How are you doing, Archie's right dad? I'm Bob. Bob. Hey, Kath. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we all love playing together. Every uh, summer we have a jam, and the whole family gets together. Maybe we'll let Marcy play a tambourine. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, she plays it left-handed. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, the first song we're going to do is actually not Kiss. You're looking for something. It's not Kiss. <laughs> You're looking for something, but it's not Kiss. But, anyway, um, it has some Kiss connections. And uh, it's School's Out by Alice Cooper. We figure School's Out, and actually, the night before the last day of school, Mia Bella always has me change her alarm. She wakes up to School's Out. So, but any, anybody that's listening and is on the Facebook page, you know, try to name at least three things that Kiss and Alice Cooper have in common. And we'll check, check in later, right? All right, here we go.
people going to shout it out loud. <laughs> going to sing lead on this. Um, for 20. And Beth, do you want to um, <laughs> sit here for this song and sing backups? <laughs> rock and roll all night.
right. So this song is a last-minute addition since uh, Gianna couldn't make it today. So uh, maybe we'll get in here next month, but I'm not sure. But anyway, this is a little bit of Shock Me!
We got one more, and this is for Tony Mann. Tony Mann's birthday today. Martin DiDomaso up in New York City. Bobby Rock's birthday is today, right? So we learned that during the interview. So this is a little New York groove.
Well, that was fantastic. Look, yeah. I'm going to read the comment. Joe Laskin, he says, oh, my God, love the young voices. To me, that really makes it. Thanks, everybody. That was fantastic. What a talented group. What a talented family. I mean, that's really fantastic. And one thing we were talking about, now, I thought it was kind of funny. Now, I think to myself, it was the summer of 1976 that I discovered Kiss. And I'm about eight years old at that time. And you can do the math and figure out how old I am. And then, you know, you think to yourself, <laughs> when did you first see him? Now, Mia... That you were just saying, I had to laugh out loud because you're singing the lyrics to shock me that may or may not be age appropriate for you to be singing at 10 years old. What do you think? So, and you're kind of laughing. But now, so you've seen Kiss, right? And I know you saw Gene Simmons at the truck because I saw you there on stage, up on stage. Now, think about that. So, that was that was last summer. So, you would have been like nine years old on stage with Gene Simmons. And now singing in the Kiss Room house band. Yes. That's fantastic. You've come a long way, baby. <laughs> so, and, and this is what we were kind of talking about. When you think about the first time, for those of you that are listening out there, think about the first time that you saw Kiss. Now, Beth said she was four years old and saw Kiss. Now, think about that. I didn't see Kiss. It was 86. It was April 1st, 1986. I was really late to actually seeing them live because I could finally drive. And we we're saying how cool. It was 1986. It would have been an asylum tour, but I finally had a, a car. And I never saw him with the makeup the first time around because I, you know, I wasn't going. Philadelphia seemed like so far away. You'd go once in a while on a field trip to, you know, the art museum or something. But I don't know that whole idea of going. But now here's the thing. And this is what we were just talking about was the idea that when they're playing these outdoor places that have the lawn seats, you can take your family. And that's cool. Like you could go. And, and you mentioned that you were up on the lawn seeing this show at four years old i think it's fantastic and you know and now the first thing diana says well it's because we're cool and we took her and see yes, it's nice and you know you get you, you get this this cool idea that like you know as parents and even which you know and grandparents the fact that you could take a young kid to their first kiss show how cool is that and then i'm thinking this right you know, Kiss obviously is talking about doing this final tour. One more three-year. They said they're going to launch a three-year tour, whatever. I think really what they need to do, play giant arenas. And you can charge whatever. Obviously, you can charge whatever you want for right down front. But they ought to make every seat. Like if they did a stadium, make the seats 10 bucks. In yeah. the, you know, in the sides. And fill it with people that maybe this is their last chance. Or maybe it's their first chance to see Kiss live. You know, and it's, I mean, I don't know. It's funny because obviously um, a lot of you that are listening probably saw some of the videos that were that were coming out from these Spain shows. You know, it's going to, it might be tough. You know, this, this might really be our last time seeing them come back around. And I think that would be really fun if they could make it so accessible that everybody who really wants one last chance to see Kiss could go. That's the thing. Like the last couple of times I've seen them, it was at Camden. On the lawn. Right. And, I, you know, I love going there with, with the family to see, you know, bands that I like but don't love. You right. You know, like, you know, I like Foreigner, Cheap Trick, and all, bands like that are perfect for that, you know. But band like Kiss and, and Van Halen, like, I was disappointed seeing him there. Right. I really, and especially if it's the last time. Because I'm, I'm, I'll never forget when the reunion happened and at the Wells Fargo. And I was like, wow, this is just like the old days, except in the old days, I was in the nosebleeds. <laughs> right. You know? So, but yeah, so I'm like, you know, and my kids have seen Kiss, but I really want them to see them one last time, 
in a place like the Wells Fargo or something like that. Right. You know? That'd be great. It's also, you know, about Here, get on the mic. Oh, Go right up there. Also, guys, it, you know, it's really about the sound quality, too, when you see a band indoor or outdoor. You know, obviously, if you go to uh, Camden and you see a band and you're on the lawn, I mean, sure, it's going to sound good. You know, but like last time I seen Kiss in Camden, um, I was on the lawn and half of the PA speakers were going in and out every once oh, in a yeah. while. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, whatever. It was a great show and, you know, Kiss rocked and, you know. But, uh, you know, when you see a band inside the Wells Fargo Center, I mean, the sound is just phenomenal. And if I'm going to see Kiss one last time, that's how I want to see it. Right. You, you know want the I best mean? possible yeah, show. Absolutely. Now, Bob, you were talking about your first ever show that you saw. It wasn't Kiss, though, right? No, no. It was The Who down at the old Electric Factory, the original. Wow, nice. Factory in 1968, and uh, Naz opened for them. Todd Rundgren. And you were two band. years old at the time. Yeah, I was, I was just barely. I, my mother had to take me in a stroller. And, uh, some, some older friends drove us all down. That's where it all got started. But, yeah, you had to look at something because Kiss wasn't around yet. So what are you going to do? So you had to settle for the Beatles. So now you think... So now, so now when Other you think, various right, Now you're... So when you think about it, when's the first time you saw Kiss? Because you're uh, probably a couple years older than I am. Oh, I was square. I don't want to disappoint well, you, but I much was, later. What, like what? I'm a convert. Fran oh, okay, brought me along to my first Kiss show. Yeah. My wife's a huge fan. Most of my family is. I just... Yeah, I was in other things. And at the time, you know, trying to earn a living and a little busy... Uh, but uh, they're amazing. A lot of the stuff that I hear on the radio kind of turned me off initially because it was the same songs played over, the same three or four songs. Come on, you're killing me. Right. But since I got to know Fran, I heard more of the catalog. You know, I really appreciate some of the stuff that lays back on the albums. You know, that's genuinely great rock and roll. You know, Absolutely. You played enough. I think that's really one of the kind of funny things when you think about the generations of, like, the, the age group that grew up when the Beatles hit America. And that was a certain seismic shift to a generation. But I'm square in that sights of that eight years old when Kiss was larger than life. And, you know, it was funny. I was listening over on uh, on Podcast Rock City. They were talking about if the solo albums had come out and they had taken the makeup off for the solo albums, would that have been more popular? And you go, I don't, I don't think so. Because at the time, eight years old, you know, so now by 1978, I'm like 10 years old. When they came out, they were still superheroes. You know, and I think to somebody, if they haven't, if you didn't experience that at the time, the idea that you really honestly didn't know what they look like, you can't really go back and say, oh, it would have been this or that or the other, because people can't really, I don't think they can imagine it, really. And we wouldn't have those awesome album covers. Right, exactly. <laughs> Iconic, yeah. absolutely, images yeah. of Kiss. So, Definitely. yeah, it's fantastic. The, uh, I mean, that's really what it makes me think. You know, it's funny. Since the last time we had done the, the show in June they was when they announced that, okay, that they're going to do these three years or whatever, and that would probably be it. Now, obviously, everybody's doing the math and going, look, you know, they're going to be 70 years old. Of course, it's probably the end of it because, I mean, at some point, you can't put on those heavy costumes forever. But it's cool that, you know, you young, you young people have been able to. Oh, Bobby, see, I luckily said that off the mic. You're killing me. Now you young people have gotten to see Kiss. It was it's fantastic, and Gene Simmons is still out doing his solo stuff. I mean, he they're overseas right now doing that. You know, it's uh, it's fun stuff. Definitely, definitely. So that's, I don't know. It's funny because Bobby's mentioning. You know, he says did, did uh, Paul's voice crack? We're not I really going to talk about that. Name. We're I just going to you know, hey, uniforms. look. So anyway, look, we're running out of time. 
I want to thank Chris Sinzak for calling in. He was at the start of the show. Obviously, if you missed Love it, you, go Chris. back and listen to it. We're all going to hang out at the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo 2, which is obviously happening in Nashville at the end of August. If you listen to The Kiss Room, you're a fan of The Kiss Room, and you can make it down there Saturday, August 25th, Nashville Palace in Nashville, Tennessee. Go to Nashville Rock Letter N Pod Expo.com. We're going to have the most fun ever. It's going to be a blast. We're driving down. So if you're going to go on vacation, come down. I want to really thank uh, thank Chris for calling in and giving us all that info. Thanks to Alex Richter who came in. I think Alex, did he leave? Where did he go? He's um, He did a, that excellent interview with Bobby Rock. Bobby Rock's in Gettysburg tonight with Lita Ford. That was a lot of fun. I really appreciate Bobby Rock calling in. It is his birthday today, and he was spending some time with us in the kiss room on his birthday. I'm sure that that was the highlight of his day. <laughs> no doubt about it. Being here on the kiss room with all of us. The... Uh, and, and really, that's the thing is we had the most fun bringing your family in here. This was fantastic. House band, round of applause again. Now, I, if, you can, if you want to bring your sister in next month in August, but if not, we got a whole other year to plan. How are you going to yeah. top that? was fantastic. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so Mia went from uh, the first time she was on the Kiss Room. It was when a Live 75 w- w- was here. Right. And she didn't say one word. She was shy, didn't say anything. And then the next year, actually, well, I guess it was last July when Gianna sang, Mia was here, but she didn't get on the microphone. Then uh, a couple months ago when we did, uh, what song we do? Um, I'm getting old, I forget. Uh, I, was made for loving you. I was made for loving you. And she nice. sang the chorus with me. And now the fourth time, she's singing lead on Rock and Roll All Night. So. Nice. Now we can get the make out of her hands. <laughs> <laughs> That's such amazingly talented children. You go. Fantastic. So maybe maybe the, the way to top it is a duet with her and Gianna Ooh. next year. Yep. We're going to have to do that. After I could play guitar with my new one. There awesome. you go. <laughs> nice. Sounds good. Talented family. You know, speaking of Live 75, a Live 75 will be back, and this is planning way ahead, but it's December 8th is going to be at the Sherman Theater again. It's usually how they wrap up their year. And we're going to broadcast live again like we did last year, which I'm super looking forward to because it was so much fun last time to meet all those KISS fans walking in the door. Santa Claus was there. Shout out to Santa and Mrs. Claus. They were awesome. Think Christmas in July. Think Kissmas in July because December 8th we will be back with a live 75 at the Sherman Theater. We'll be back again with the Kiss Room next month. But let's go around and everybody give some last-minute shout-outs, and then we're going to wrap it up. Diana, why don't you lean into the mic? Anybody you want to give a shout-out? I know half of Pennsburg is probably tuned in all your neighbors, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I actually want to give two shout-outs. One to our soon-to-be son-in-law. Today is his birthday. Jordan Phillips, happy Ooh. birthday, bud. Have a good weekend. And to our oldest daughter, Jessica, she's turning 31 <laughs> tomorrow. Wow. Happy oh, birthday, yeah. Jess. Love you. Makes me want to go get Botox. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to say, Mia? Um, thank you, family. <laughs> Beth, what do you think? Your first time in the kiss room? Yeah, how'd you think? Yeah, both of us. It's our first time right. here. And we'll be back, right? Now, what do you think is your favorite song? Is Beth, but like, uh, what other songs come to your mind right away? Now, Beth, because you're named after that, so obviously that's going to be your favorite. But Love Gun, Love Gun, nice. That's nice. fantastic, fantastic. Cool. You have anything to say? 
Um, I wanted to wish my mom a happy birthday. Aww. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> what do you think, Jim? Matt, one thing you always do, um, when it's the first time in the kiss room, the first time they ever saw a kiss. Diana, tell. Uh, <laughs> all right. See, you think you're old. I, I didn't see Kiss till 10 years ago. Really? It was my first time. We rode all the way out to Sturgis. We rode 2,000 miles to see Kiss at the Glencoe Campground. Wow. It was my first time ever seeing Kiss. All my friends were gone when we were kids in Philly. All of my friends went. Um, I never did. I just never saw Kiss. I don't know why, but the timing was just not right. And so 10 years ago was my first Kiss show. There you go. That's and fantastic. I've seen them eight times, seven times. I lost count. I don't know. Seven, eight times since then. Just keep going. So, Just yes, keep going. I was old my first kiss show. <laughs> Me too. A little. All right, and that's about it. Just happy birthday to Jordan and uh, Jessica. Love you. Have fun down the shore. Be safe. And kids, great job. You sounded fantastic. Yeah. That really was great. Well, uh, well, since we're on birthdays, uh, Gianna's birthday was last week. Ooh, so happy, happy birthday. birthday to Gianna. And Mia Bella's is next week. So happy, be, happy birthday to Mia Bella. I got marbles in my mouth today. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah, I was afraid I was going to mispronounce yeah. her name. <laughs> I've been on the Kiss Room how long? And I'm like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Anyway, um, my Green Day band, Revolution Radio, is playing tonight at Sweeney's. Sweeney's. So come on out. And uh, if Bob's coming out, maybe uh, he'll, get up, he'll get up on stage for a song. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That'd be good. Uh, what was the other thing? Oh, so uh, I haven't looked at the, the page yet, but the three things I thought about, um, Alice Cooper and Kiss. Number one, Eric Singer has played drums for both of them. Number two, Bob Ezrin has produced both of them. And the hard one, number three, they both had Marvel Comics. Yeah. Full Marvel Comics. About them, I mean, you could probably go on with all kinds of similarities. All have had action figures, and that you know, if even if you just go well, the theatrics, blah blah, blah, all the basic stuff they have in common, but yeah, dolls, and you know, and I don't know if Alice himself sued, but remember that song Bruce Kulick wrote, yeah, right? Uh, It sounded like um, 18, right? Right, (laughs) there's another connection, so they have lawyers (laughs) in common, too, yeah, yeah. What do you think, Bob? Any shout-out you want to give? Absolutely. I'd like to say hello to my beautiful wife out there listening on her phone because our nice. Comcast Internet's down. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to say hi to the rest of the family, my beautiful daughter, Marcy, and my son, Bob, and their families. And uh, this has been lovely, man. Thanks for having me in. It's been very comfortable and a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Steve. <clears throat> yeah, I always just want to say hello to my, my girls at home, my wife and my two daughters. And, uh, and I always, as always, you know, thanks, Matt, for making all this possible. It's a blast. Love coming in every month. Sorry I had to miss last month, but it's good to be back. <laughs> Woo! Rock on, everybody. Yeah. You got anything you want to say? Sure. Four little words. Chocolate-covered pork roll. Look, I'm going to tell you real quick, you can stay tuned after the Kiss Room Live is Seriously Zappa coming up with Jeff Baker. If you listen to the Kiss Room, if you listen to us live, obviously you know how to tune into the Monaco Radio. There's so many great shows on Monaco Radio. We'll be getting even more when we start up again in the fall, but you can always tune in live to Monaco Radio. Like, for instance, every Friday, we started off early with all that jazz. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. You can listen while you're driving to work. Then you have the Time Bomb Radio, which was right after that. He played some great rock today. There's always good variety on that. We had Hard and Heavy with Kooks. was like really heavy kind of rock. It was fantastic. 
You know, all the way through harem, we had a great time on harem through the kiss room. We mix, you know, obviously, you know, we mix up these three to fives every Friday with something cool. Stay tuned into the fall because when all the new shows start back up, but there's a lot of shows still broadcasting live here on Monaco Radio, and I really do appreciate that you all tune in when you listen live. If you listen to the download, that's cool, too. You got all the best stuff. Yes, one I forgot my beautiful wife, Marcy. Oh, well. (laughs) I'm getting trouble. See, that's why it's a good thing. That's my beautiful daughter. (laughs) Me and Bella, I'm glad (laughs) that you you remind them to say hello to your mom. My beautiful mother's too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, friends. I think we gave all the shout-outs. Kiss Army, thanks for listening. Stay tuned to Monco Radio. Thanks for downloading this episode of The Kiss Room. Listen to all your favorite podcasts, many of which will be at the National Rockin' Pod Expo 2, which you heard about. If you didn't hear that part, go back and listen to the start. And as always, I will give the last word to the mighty Ken Mills. Check out these ads from the following shows. We are proud to call them the friends of the Podkiss Network. We are one. We're a scene man. That's right, Kiss Army. We're having a rock and roll party, and you are invited. Tune into the Strange Ways Kiss Podcast and hang out with your Kiss Army brothers, Jody Havnock, Clinton Harris, and D Rock. Join us where we celebrate and discuss the gods of thunder. That's Strange Ways Kiss Podcast. You can find us on Facebook or Podomatic.com. We'll see you there. Podcast Rock City. What's up, everybody? This is Joe from Podcast Rock City, where every week, me and my crew will bring you the Kiss News of the Week. Look at us as kind of a Kiss version of Meet the Press, your source for Kiss News every week. We're on iTunes, Podomatic, Twitter, and Facebook. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007... You've been getting podkissed. The Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podkissed. Every month, the podkissed crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkissed. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkissed. The Podkissed. The KISS Audio fanzine for your ears. Kistory Science Theater. The most civilized? Oh, f***. (laughs) Oh, f***. Come on. (laughs) Respectful. Just imagine Gene with like like a a wash tub base. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom, boom. And serious. No, wait. Excuse me, Bob. You're going to come over and do my album. <laughs> Kiss Podcast on the web. History Science Theory. We bust balls because we can. Hey, everybody. I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... <laughs> You'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. Hey, I'm Dr. F***. And I'm the Ayatollah of Alcohola. 
and we are from the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. If you want to check out some crazy, uncensored, unbiased, totally nuts reviews of classic hard rock and heavy metal albums, check us out. You can get us on Podbean and iTunes. New episodes every Sunday. How do I get a backstage pass? Yeah, you're listening to Harold. Grab your hairspray and your sister's makeup and try to fit in those spandex again. Join me, Bobby Dreyer, along with Matt Porter, every second Friday of each month from 1 to 3, right before the Kiss Room, on Marco Radio, where music and minds meet. <laughs> One hell of an audience tonight. Why don't you give yourselves a round of applause? I tell you something. You know, a lot of bands like to brag about their fans. Now, naturally, you better believe we brag about you, but we want you to know something. We want you to know, we know that you are our fans, but don't you ever forget, we are your fans! We love you! Thank you for listening to The Kiss Room. Stay tuned to Montco Radio. last minute crazy things you want to say to conform with expectations no but i will say something to anybody out there that's you know the weird guy or the weird girl that always has the weird things that they do that their friends put them down for don't think it's so weird maybe someday somebody will let you give you the chance to make a living out of it you just stick to it you'd be weird Swimming in the pool during these warm summer months can be so much fun, but you need to remember a few simple rules. Watch young children at all times, stay in arm's reach of young kids, never allow anyone to swim alone, always listen to lifeguards and your parents when they tell you that there is no diving or to swim with a buddy or to walk please. You should listen. Be safe around the pool and have a great summer. Wow.